This podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. Hi everyone, it's a great privilege for me to be able to join with the New Hope preaching team in this series on the parables. In my role as the Director of Mission and Ministries for the Baptist Union, I'm tasked with giving the overall sense of direction and vision for the Baptist movement in Victoria. This is a a pretty challenging task at times since we have around 252 autonomous churches that are incredibly diverse in many and varied ways. So the vision that I have for our wider union is quite a broad one, yet it's grounded in scripture, accessible to all churches to interpret and apply to their own context, and I hope inspirational. Our vision is to be a union of flourishing churches that are filled with Christ-like followers who redeem society. Let me unpack that a little bit in relation to how this uh, plays out at New Hope. Our vision for New Hope is that you would flourish as a church, that you would thrive as a faith community and bear fruit for God's kingdom. That the church would be made up of people who are wholehearted in their devotion to Jesus, who follow Jesus in his ways and adopt his values and priorities. Another word we use for this type of person is disciple. We wanna see our churches, your church, full of disciples of Jesus. And thirdly, we want to see New Hope partner with God in his redemptive work in this world, to journey with God, to bring hope and transformation into the communities in which you interact with. Looking at your vision statement on your website, I think there's a lot of synergy between the B of E's vision for your church and your vision. Your vision is to enter into a journey of wholeheartedness, wholeheartedness in your pursuit to flourish, wholeheartedness in adopting the values of Jesus, and wholeheartedness towards your mission, or if you like, wholeheartedness towards adopting God's priorities. The parables, the stories Jesus told, are fantastic stories that provide incredibly useful metaphors to help us grasp the ways and the priorities of Jesus. They provide insight for us on how we can fulfill our God-given vision and mission. However, Often the teaching, the principles we find in the parables about wholeheartedly prioritising Jesus' ways are quite challenging and the parables we're looking at today are no exception. These parables warn us to weigh up or to count the cost of being a disciple. In this section of Luke's Gospel, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He knows what awaits him when he gets there, hostility, violence, suffering and ultimately death. A large crowd are taking the journey with Jesus but they seem to be oblivious to what lies ahead. The crowd think they're on a a victory march, that they will triumphantly enter into Jerusalem with Jesus and establish the kingdom of God, put Jesus on the throne, boot out the Romans and live happily ever after in prosperity and peace. Jesus knew that the crowd travelling with him wasn't a sign of his success, but a problem that needed to be addressed. So he wastes no time. He tells them that to go the way that he's going will not be easy. It's not without its cost. He uses two parables to make this point. The first parable is of someone who starts a building project but doesn't estimate the the cost beforehand 
and runs out of money during construction and can't finish the job. Jesus says such a person will be humiliated and become a laughing stock in the community. The second parable is that of a king who is facing a, a war against an enemy that outnumbers his soldiers two to one. Jesus says such a king ought to consider whether he can win or not before committing his troops to go into battle. And if he thinks he can't win, then to sue for peace as soon as possible in order to avert a massacre and again to avoid humiliation. Both parables emphasise the dangers of undertaking projects that are too costly in terms of money, life and reputation. They emphasise the need for wholeheartedness in one's pursuit and understanding of heading down a certain path. The point of the parables in Jesus' teaching is to emphasise the need for the crowd to figure out if they are merely going to be spectators on this journey or whether they are going to be followers who are willing to weigh up the heavy cost of what they are planning to undertake as they enter into Jerusalem with Jesus. So what is the cost? Well, Jesus tells us in, a few, in the few verses preceding the parables. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. <laughs> Think about it. That's full on, isn't it? Is Jesus really saying if we are to follow him, we need to choose between him and our family or hate our family? Well, the answer is yes and no. In other places in the gospel, Jesus taught us about honouring our parents. And he, he tells us how children are incredibly valuable to the kingdom of God. So I think he's not saying that we should neglect our responsibility towards our families. Rather, he's using stark language, provocative language, to capture people's attention. He's exaggerating to make his point. And if that's the case, what is his point? Well, his point is that we need to sort out our priorities. He's saying that if we're going to follow him, if we're going to go his way, then he needs to take precedence over everything else, over every other commitment in our lives, even our family commitments. He pretty much says the same things in chapter 9 to some would-be disciples who wanted to journey with Jesus but made a whole lot of excuses about uh, following him immediately. They had other priorities. One says, I'll follow you, but firstly, let me wait for my parents to die, then, then I'll come. Another wanted to follow Jesus, but first said, look, I want to catch up with all my friends and have a big uh, farewell party, a bit of a bon voyage party, and then, then I'll come. Jesus was not interested. He basically says to them that if you want to follow me, you need to stay focused. You need to move forward. You need to see the big picture and work out your priorities. He has the same message for his own disciples when they're arguing with one another about who is going to sit at his right and who's going to sit on his left when, they, when, they, when he established his kingdom, who's going to be the greatest among them. For starters, Jesus has been constantly telling his disciples that, they, they, that the, the idea that they have of the kingdom is wrong. It's not going to be one of power and prestige, but one where the least and the lost have a place at the table, one where servants are raised up, where the last are first, so Jesus urges them not to be distracted by visions of grandeur and, and to prioritise his ways. This is still a major issue for us today. There are plenty of things in life vying for our attention, 
hobbies, sports, work, the wishes of our family, our own ambitions, friends, and on and on and on we could go. When it comes to following Jesus, we can be just as distracted as any of the disciples and as confused about our priorities as the crowd in our story. Jesus is saying we need to weigh up our priorities. He's saying he does not want us to treat our faith as a hobby, but he wants us to be wholehearted as we seek to follow him. But the cost is even greater. He says he wants us to surrender our lives to him. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple, he says. This reminds me of the story of the rich young man or what some might call the rich young ruler. You may remember that story. There's a story of a man who comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, what must I do to, to gain eternal life? And Jesus answers him by start going through the, the Ten Commandments. He's, he's working through one, then two, then three, and then the young fellow says, stop, stop, stop. I've got this all under control. I've been following the commandments since I was a young boy. I, I know this stuff. I'm a really religious person. I'm a good person. I go to church every week. I've got it all, I've got it all nailed, Jesus. What else must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus says, that's fantastic if you're doing all that stuff. That's great. Look, if that's what you're doing, then there's only one thing left for you to do. He says, go and give all your money to the poor and then come and follow me. And just after Jesus spoke those words, we see some of the saddest commentary in all of the scripture. It tells us that the man went away sad. Why? Because he had great wealth. Because the number one priority in his life was his money. And Jesus could only take second place in his life, in his journey. He prioritised money over Jesus. Wholehearted disciples are willing to take up their cross. Making declarations that Jesus is our saviour or he's the Christ or the Messiah is, is great. It's a start. And I'm sure the crowds did that, but it's not enough. Rather, Jesus makes it clear wholehearted followers need to follow Jesus by taking up our, our cross. What does it mean to take up our cross? Well, it's an extension of self-denial. It's the extreme of self-denial. The cross, as we all know, is an instrument of torture and death in the first century. It meant to, to give our very lives in following Jesus. It's about self-sacrifice. It's not about enduring trials and, and the challenges of life. It's not about uh, just putting up with illness or putting up with a mean boss or a nasty teacher. Rather, it's about walking in Christ's steps. It's about living out the values of the kingdom in the marketplace incorporating uh, God's ethics and attitude in our business dealings, adopting his attitude towards the least and those who are different to us. It comes from embracing weakness and humility instead of power and pride. It comes from being generous and sacrificial instead of stingy and greedy. To forgive, love and welcome, to carry our cross is to walk the path that Jesus walked, which often led to ridicule and rejection. Uh, it means bearing difficulties for the sake of Christ. Many listening to this message have had to pay a huge price for their faith. Those who previously lived in countries like Iran and Afghanistan, Indonesia and many other places have experienced ridicule, isolation, discrimination, suffering, persecution and even seen their friends and, and experienced themselves in their family, those who have lost their livelihood and some who have even lost their life because of their faith. I imagine such people understand this passage more than I ever will. But one thing I do understand 
about the importance of what Jesus is saying here is that although we are called to prioritise Jesus and weigh up the cost of such, such action, if we do so, it will lead to resurrection and new life. The way I see it is that Jesus wants us to be wholehearted disciples. He wants us to be wholehearted disciples to save us from losing our lives to things that don't matter that much, to save us from living a fruitless life, from wasting our lives, from the impact and the consequences of a sinful life. Or as he says elsewhere, he wants to save us from gaining the world, but in the process, losing our soul. I believe Jesus wants us to journey as wholehearted disciples so that we can live a full and a rewarding life, so that we can live with purpose, so that we can be salt and light in the world, a world that desperately needs us to be salt and light. As Jesus called the crowd to a lifestyle of wholehearted discipleship, he now calls us. He says, as he said to the crowd, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. May he be our number one priority.